3: Believe it or not, there was a time when Americans could laugh at and with
4: their presidents.
5: Let's call up for a pizza.
4: I can't do that. I can't uh, call up and say this is the president of the United States, send up a sausage pizza.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Mr.
2: President, we've noticed you always look down at your feet when you speak. Now, why is that?
6: Well, you'd look down, too, if you owned a horse ranch.
3: (laughs) Coming up, presidential humor, with cuts from two of the most successful comedy albums of all time, The First Family and The First Family Rides Again, here on The Off Ramp. I'm Bob Smith, and welcome to The Off-Ramp, a place to slow down, steer clear of crazy, and take a side road to sanity. We're doing something special for this edition. This is part one of Presidential Humor. Now, there was a time when Presidential Humor meant something entirely different than it does today. It wasn't late-night comedians telling snarky jokes about people they hate. It was humor, Real humor that was even-handed, bipartisan, and hilarious for people of all ages. Yes, it can be done. And it was when men with great senses of humor occupied the White House. I'm talking about Presidents John F. Kennedy and Ronald Reagan. These were media-savvy politicians who told funny stories, could ad-lib at the drop of a hat, and had no problem poking fun at themselves. And Americans loved them for it. So did TV comedy writer Earl Dowd, watching nearby. He built two of the greatest comedy albums of all time around these men, The First Family in 1962 and The First Family Rides Again 20 years later. Coming up, we'll hear comedy cuts from both albums, plus stories behind The Funny Stuff with comedian Rich Little and producer Earl Dowd. Get ready for fun. This is part one, our one of our Presidential Humor Special from 1982, The First Family Rides Again.
7: The time was the early 1960s. That's when this man, Earl Dowd, produced an album about the President of the United States with a young Impressionist named Vaughn Meter.
8: Actually, I saw on on a talent scout show and so he did the president of course during the press conference and then the jfk coloring book had come out around that time the coloring book with all the family in it and i, I thought gee w- you know w- what a great family and how can there must be a way to do them you know and then i thought a record out gee that would be really exciting
9: sir as head of this average family what was this new experience undergone by you and the members of your household
4: after uh, two years of brushing with the Crest toothpaste, our group our group had uh, 21% fewer cavities with Crest.
7: The album was The First Family, the fastest-selling comedy disc in the history of American records. Twenty years later, in 1982, there was another president and Earl Dowd produced another album. The First Family rides again with this man, impressionist Rich Little.
10: Uh, well, uh, <laughs> That's true. That's true. What happened with the Reagan impression uh, was that it was very thin at the beginning, and Earl Dowd kept saying to me, "Do you do Reagan?" And I said, "Well, I do him. You know, I'm still working on it." He said, "Well, we should do an album." And I said, "Well, I'd like to do an album. Let's learn a little more about him, and let me work on the impression." You know. So when a year was up, uh, I was fairly happy with the impression, and Earl said that he was ready to do the album.
6: Well, goodbye, Nancy.
1: Ronnie, wait. Now, don't forget who you are.
6: Oh, I won't. That's why I always carry my American Express card. Right. Coming up, we'll hear more comedy, and we'll chat with Earl Dowd and Rich Little and learn the
7: story behind the making of The First Family Rides Again.
4: Fill her up, please.
8: Uh, Just uh, this car?
4: No, uh, all 70 of them, and the... uh, (laughs) And the uh, motorcycles. Yes, sir. Uh, By the way, do you uh, give uh, green stamps? (laughs) No, no,
8: sir, we don't.
4: Forget it. (laughs) In
7: retrospect, 1962 seems like an innocent, refreshing time in America. The country had a young president who liked to laugh who even poked fun at himself, in public. And the public loved it. Even those who didn't like John Kennedy admired his style, and they laughed at his jokes. And a young comedy writer named Earl Dowd sensed a potential goldmine of humor in that atmosphere. Using the talents of impressionist Vaughn Meter, Earl Dowd created a record album that placed the president of the United States and his family in everyday situations and gave them funny resolutions. The result was The First Family. Actually,
8: I saw Vaughn on a talent scout show I thought it had been the Godfrey show but he corrected me a couple of weeks ago Uh, it was another talent show on one of the networks and he did the president of course during the press conference and then the JFK coloring book had come out around that time do you remember that?
11: the JFK coloring book no I don't think so
8: Uh, well it was a coloring book with all the family in it and I I thought gee you know what a great family and how can there must be a way to do them you know and then I thought a record album that would be really exciting. So it was a JFK coloring book, and Vaughn's appearance, and he did a remarkable Kennedy, as you remember, Bob, and it was a combination of those two things that threw me
11: into it. That was sort of the first time that this type of humor had been used. We've always had political jokes and that type of thing, but getting into the president's personal family and poking fun at certain eccentricities, that was pretty unusual. Uh, No, I never really worried too much about that.
8: Uh, I didn't think about would we be in trouble? What I did think about while I was doing it was is someone someone else must be doing this because it's uh, such an obvious idea to do it. Uh-huh. Uh, but luckily, no one was uh, before I did it. After I did it, everyone was.
12: <laughs>
8: <laughs> uh, I have heard uh, well, Merriman Smith, the AP correspondent who used to say, thank you, Mr. President, at the end of the press conferences. He told me that President Kennedy kept a record player in his desk drawer. And he'd call people into the room and he'd pull out the desk door and he'd say, listen to this, and then he'd play them a cut from it. <laughs> so we know that he liked the album very much, the first First
11: Family. I take it you never got to talk with him about the album?
8: No. I, uh, we were supposed to go to the inaugural and appear there, and uh, Von Meter cut some radio spots down there saying that uh, I listened to it, and then he'd give the call letters, and everybody thought it was Kennedy, because he didn't identify himself. We didn't know he'd done this. And, Pierre Salinger got a little miffed about it. We were canceled out. But, so I never did
6: get to meet him. Well, what do you say, Dexon? Will you make up your mind?
10: Well, sir, I think that $2 million is much too much. However, sir, I do think that the residual benefits to be derived from this project would more than compensate, sir, for the original outlay
4: of funds. I see. Uh, Mr. Roschke, what do you think?
6: The residual benefits are beside the point. It's a dangerous move.
10: I'd like to say something, if I might. Must you, Lyndon? (laughs) (laughs) Well, sir, I don't think that either Mr. Rusk or Mr. Johnson here have the right, sir, to advise in this particular matter. I do believe, sir, that the decision is up to you. And if I may say so, you are holding things up. I think this truly calls for an immediate decision on your part, sir.
4: Ev, uh, you drive a hard bargain. (laughs) But uh, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll sell you a boardwalk in Park Place. uh, (laughs) As Earl Dowd said, he heard that
11: Jack Kennedy liked the album.
8: Right, and we know that Jackie didn't like it.
11: Oh, is that right? How do you know that?
8: I went to the Paris Theater in New York to see Divorce Italian Style three nights before I recorded The First Family. And Jackie Kennedy was sitting three rows in front of me, surrounded by Secret Service. And she said that uh, she didn't laugh at all during that picture, which was a pretty funny picture. I thought, well, I'm not going to show her this script, right? I wanted to say, here, this is all about you, and we're going to record it, but I didn't (laughs) want to take that chance. (laughs) You know,
5: I was a little rough on her in the White House tour. Now we're entering the President Grant drawing room, which I think you'll find rather interesting. We decided to leave this room just the way it was when President Grant left office.
9: I do notice a lot of dust on the furniture in here.
5: Yes, and that dust was a gift from Mrs. E.C. Landon of Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania. Now, if you'd care to follow me down this hall to the next room, as we go, I should like to point out the various paintings on the wall.
9: Yes, I wish you would point them out.
5: Well, there's this one and this one.
12: (laughs) And,
5: And that great big one over there. And this little teeny one down here. And finally, this one over here.
9: Thank you for pointing them (laughs) out. What's in this room over here?
5: This is the blue room. We decided to leave it just the way President Blue had it originally. (laughs) Now we are in the east wing. This is the section we are having completely remodeled. All the rooms are being changed around.
9: Yes, the carpenters certainly are busy, aren't they?
5: Aren't they, though? And those carpenters were a gift from Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> Al Bianchi of Hayworth, New Jersey. I find it quite easy to get lost in this section.
9: Yes, I imagine one could get lost in here. Pardon me, pardon
4: me. I seem to have uh, made the uh, wrong turn somewhere. Now, I'm trying to uh, find the bedroom. I just came out of the uh, John Hancock bathroom where I was uh, taking a shower in the Alexander Hamilton bathtub. And I think <laughs> the that... The
5: carpenters uh, and painters here have been the, uh, just working like beavers around
4: the, the, the clock. <laughs> We hope to
5: have it finished Which in Which way May, is she? <laughs> the
4: bedroom. The bedroom is where?
5: Actually, the I original schedule the didn't bedroom call watch. for didn't it talk. to be completed <laughs> until July. <laughs> but the work has gone I, I should
4: like to point out that I am... Uh, <laughs> I, am uh, I am standing here in my shorts uh, dripping wet. Now I've... Uh, <laughs> I've got an important conference in 15 minutes, so I must be dressed in 10 minutes, which means I shall have to move ahead toward our bedroom with great vigor.
5: Excuse me, Charles. Dear, go down this hall to the Andrew Jackson smoking room, then turn right into the President Taft Rumpus room, across over through the Woodrow Wilson ping pong room. Then left at the Dolly Madison Pinacle Room. <laughs> through the President Grant Drinking Room. Past the Richard Nixon Dumbwaiter. <laughs> and that's our room.
4: Well, let's see. Now I go past the uh, Dolly Madison Ping Pong Room. Across the uh, Richard Nixon the Drinking Room.
9: And then I go left at the uh, Andrew Jackson uh, Wasn't that your husband? Yes, it was. He's a magnificent looking man.
5: yes. And we decided to leave him just the way
12: was uh,
8: She, in her book, Jackie O, remember that cut where uh, Jack Kennedy says, uh, good night, uh, Jackie, good night, Bobby, good night, Sergeant Shriver, good night, Caroline. They're all in bed there
12: together. Yeah. Uh-huh.
8: That was Jack Kennedy's favorite cut. And that was her unfavorite cut. And she said that I exploited her children by mentioning them in that on the album. Now, that's in the book Jackie O, I understand. And she says that she came after me, but I never heard from her.
7: Maybe some of the humor hit just a little too close to home for Jackie Kennedy, as in this sketch where Earl Dowd himself plays Jackie Kennedy's French dress designer.
8: I worked three months on the creation of this dress. I believe, uh, how you say, madame, it is you. Uh, a Jacques original for you. Ah,
5: eh? uh, Merci, Jacques. Très bien. I believe you're right, Jacques. I like it. It has a very distinctive air about it, and yet it is conservative. I like it. Ah,
8: you make me so happy. I have thought and thought, and I have decided to name this after you. The First Lady,
5: eh? Merci, Jacques. I don't like to tell an artist what to do, Eh? but I wondered, would you mind if I made one small change? Could you remove the top button?
8: Ah, madame, a wonderful idea. Of course, that is the touch you needed.
5: Merci. I think I'll wear it tonight to the embassy ball. Au revoir, Jacques.
8: Ah, madame, madame, you make me so happy. Mm, Mrs. G, rip the top button off those 5,000 first ladies and put them on a rack. (laughs)
7: We'll have more of the story behind the making of the first family albums in just a moment. This is Bob Smith, and you're listening to a 1982
3: feature I did on presidential humor with comedian Rich Little and comedy writer
7: Earl Dowd. The first family rides again. Earl Dowd's first family albums owe their success to a number of things. One of them is putting the president and his family into everyday situations, situations like you and I get into.
5: Let's call up for a pizza
4: I can't do that I can't uh, call up and say This is the President of the United States Send up a sausage pizza just to...
5: Don't tell them who you are Just tell them to send it to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue
4: I don't know if I can do that
5: Well, let's do something I don't want to stay home I'm sick and tired of staying home And staring at these same 100 walls <laughs>
4: Hello? Oh, hello, Elsa. It's Elsa Maxwell, Jackie. What? You're having a uh, party, and you wonder if by any remote chance we uh, happen to be free? Free? Oh. Jackie and I on a Saturday night? You know, Elsa, sometimes I wonder about you. <laughs> We're uh, having our own party. Can't you hear it? Jackie, laugh it up. Hear that, Elsa? <laughs> That Adlai, uh, he's uh, such a cutie He always makes jockey laugh (laughs) Just uh, just a minute Uh, Yes, uh, thank you I will have some more champagne And fill the Maharaja of Baroda's (laughs) glass. Don't forget the Maharini Oh, oh, Elcher, I uh, have to hang up Uh, The Humphreys and Goldwaters are at it again (laughs) Goodbye, Elcher And thanks for thinking of us
7: With his first family record, the career of young Vaughn Meader, then in his 20s, skyrocketed. He appeared on Ed Sullivan, The Tonight Show. His record performances and nightclub appearances put him in the center of the entertainment spotlight. At the same time, up north in Canada, another young Impressionist was doing political satire on his country's leaders. His name? Rich Little.
11: Most people associate you with impersonations of show business people, but you were making a name for yourself with uh, politicians in Canada at the same time Vaughn Meader was doing that with President Kennedy in the uh, early 60s.
10: Yeah, I did all the Canadian politicians in Canada Mm -hmm. uh, before I came to the States. They were great. In many ways, they were better than the ones they had in the States. We had Diefenbaker and Lester Pearson and uh, Louis Saint Laurent, all these names that probably mean nothing to your listeners, but they were great characters and uh, i was always sorry they weren't known in the states because there were some of my better ones and of course what i did was take all those political ones in canada and do an album uh a counterpart to von meter's album called my fellow canadians with john Diefenbaker and it became a big seller in canada
11: that was one of the biggest or maybe the best selling comedy lp in canadian history wasn't it um i don't know whether it still is but it
10: was at the time uh-huh. it it, uh, it uh, outsold every other canadian album i think it's sold gee, it must have sold 20,000.
8: <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's a drop in the bucket. Here.
11: Did Devon Meter's success in those days influence you to do that type of oh, album? yeah. Mm-hmm.
8: Yeah.
10: It sure did. I was a big fan of his. I'm sorry, I never got a chance to talk to him really much when we when we did the first family rides again, because he opened the door, really, to political satire in the, in the States. Um you know, I mean, having the president, President Kennedy, acknowledge the album and say that it was funny, took all the pressure off doing politicians, Uh because before then, uh, people were imitating presidents and so forth. But there was always a hesitation, like, maybe this isn't right. Maybe this is sacrilegious. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll get a reaction from the White House. This is un-American, you see. And... When he react President Kennedy reacts so favorably and laughed and mentioned it during a press conference. Uh, then, from then on, uh, the door was open, and everybody said, "Well, I guess if you object now, if you're a president, you've got to have a you know a pretty poor sense of humor." Right. So, and I think all the other presidents that came along remembered that too. So now they're kind of quite aware that. Uh, you, you know, you better you better uh, say something, or, or hopefully favorably, otherwise you're going to be kind of a stuffed shirt, that you know, you can't laugh at yourself.
7: Americans laughed and laughed and laughed at the first family album. So much so, it became one of the biggest selling albums in history. But how many copies were sold? Earl Dowd says he really doesn't know.
8: We know that it sold 5 million, million to 5 million, uh, legitimately. See, one of the problems we ran into with that album, we pressed only 40000 originally and sold that the first day in New York. Lord. Now, we had to put albums out fast. People were going crazy. They wanted this album. So they released albums without covers, which allows the pirateers to have a field day. So when we put albums out without any covers on them, so did everybody else, (laughs) so it's quite possible there's another five million that were sold there that we have no counting of well, what was... did we get paid for?
11: That you would guess exactly: I would
8: guess. So let's say it sold nine million records. case with ours. Everything that we pressed and was shipped was sold. You can't find a copy today. it's hard to. In
7: 1963, Earl Dowd produced a second first family album, but the laughing stopped on November 22nd when John Kennedy was shot in Dallas. President Kennedy died and so did Vaughn Meter's comedy career. And the first family albums were pulled from the record racks.
11: The timing of the re- uh, release of the second Vaughn Meter album was kind of uh, was disastrous in a way, wasn't it? Wasn't I
8: really feel that it ran its course, Bob. It was out for uh, quite a few months before he was assassinated. We took it off the market after the assassination uh, in respect to uh, President Kennedy. But uh, it sold about 350,000 albums, And I really feel that's what it was going to do. Having it out there any longer, I probably would not have made any difference.
7: Meanwhile, in Canada, impressionist Rich Little's career was also disrupted by the Kennedy killing.
11: Just like Vaughn Meters' uh, second First Family album, your second big album, uh, was it Scrooge and the Stars, I believe? That had to be pulled from the racks after Kennedy's assassination, too, because you did a JFK impersonation?
10: Uh yeah well that was the first time I ever did the Christmas Carol story as as a record with Jack Benny as Scrooge then and uh-huh. I had a line in there as John F Kennedy he played the uh, the spirit of Christmas yet to come and he actually had a line in there that said my uh, my life upon the globe is very short as a matter of fact it ends tonight it ends as quickly as you can say and I forget the word but. Uh, you know that was really spooky because right after that he was assassinated and to hear him on a record say my, my life is short uh, well <laughs> the record company said gee we better go back in and, and replace him you know because uh-huh. that, that really jars you and I went back in and put Lloyd Bridges of all people back in place of, uh, of John F. Kennedy <laughs> uh, but then the interesting thing happened was all the people wanted the original copy because it was kind of like a collector's item uh-huh. so they're there are a few of those original copies with, uh, with Kennedy still floating around, you
7: know. After the Kennedy assassination, Earl Dowd went on to do other comedy recordings. But until the first family rides again, none was anywhere near as successful as the first family recordings. Von Meter did star in another Earl Dowd production.
8: I did The Second Coming, which was about Christ, and uh, Von Meter was Christ. And
11: it's a very warm, marvelous album, but we didn't get any airplay. You think it was because of... The, the content. The... Uh-huh. Just the fact that it was religious in nature, and I, you have to be very careful of that. I noticed he has a part in this album, not a large one, but a part.
8: I brought Von Meter all the way from Maine because, number one, I certainly thought he should be a part of this. But my original intent was to use him more. Uh, we had uh, an idea to do the family feud with the Democrats against the Republicans. He would have played Teddy Kennedy, of course. But I uh, couldn't get Richard Dawson. And I just felt I didn't want to do the Family Feud without Richard because it, it's his show, you know, and we really needed him. So I didn't do it, and Vaughn was here, so we used him on that one cut uh, with slug integration. He's the second voice on that. That's no answer.
2: Hey, we've tried all these things. Forget it. Forget you're it. You're missing
6: all the important points. Oh, you Gentlemen, listening. gentlemen, please. Oh. All right. Now, this emergency session has been going on for almost an hour. As president, I'm going to have to make a decision here. So I want the bottom line, each of your final recommendations. Now, let's start with the Secretary of State.
9: Mr. President, I repeat, this isn't simply a question of not enough blacks, nor is it uh, too many whites. It's a question of distribution. Well, all
6: right. Bill, as Attorney General, how do you see it?
10: Well, I'll go along with Jim.
2: Regardless of the numbers, let's face it, blacks have always wound up at the bottom and whites at the top. Al? Al, you're putting the Secretary of State on the spot. In my opinion, this problem is not just blacks and whites, or for that matter, yellow or red. It's all the way
7: across
6: the board. Well, I guess the whole thing comes back to the question of money. Now, Bob, you're Secretary of the Treasury. So what's this kind of redistribution gonna cost us? Okay, In terms of current dollars, let's face it, black
0: jelly beans are 79 cents a pound. (laughs) The whites and the reds are 69 cents, the browns and yellows and blues, not to mention the maroons are only forty.
7: Next, we'll have more comedy and Earl Dowd and Rich Little talking about the making of The First Family Rides Again.
6: Yes, down in front.
8: Mr. President, may I ask a question concerning Cuba? At any time in the future, is there any chance that you might recognize Fidel Castro?
6: Well, certainly, I'd recognize him any time. He's got a big beard, smokes a cigar, and wears one of those sissy caps. Comedy writer Earl Dowd.
7: I felt
8: that Reagan had the same charisma almost as the Kennedys. That magic aura about him.
7: What makes Ronald Reagan Ronald Reagan?
10: Uh, Well, it's uh, a combination of things. Rich Little. Uh, it's that hesitation and uh, uh, the humming and hawing that he does.
7: In a moment, Earl Dowd and Rich Little will tell us more about the making of the hit comedy album, The First Family Rides Again.
3: We hope you're enjoying part one of The First Family Rides Again, Presidential Humor with comedian Rich Little and comedy writer Earl Dowd here on The
6: Off-Rap. I set the alarm, Nancy. Good night. Oh, I'm terribly tired, Ronnie. I hope we can get a good night's sleep. Oh, I forgot. There's been a lot of confusion as to when they're supposed to wake me up and when they are not. So I told them for a while if they were in doubt, they should call me anyway and I'd let them know if they did right or wrong. (laughs)
1: Oh dear, sounds like it's going to be quite a night
6: Well, don't worry, dear Good night
1: Good night, Ronnie Oh
6: dear Oh darn Hello
5: I didn't know whether to call you or not, sir But Florida's totally flooded and under ten feet of water
6: We'll take pictures in the morning.
12: <laughs> uh-huh. oh,
6: Dan. Not again. Yes.
2: Excuse me, Mr. President, but Spain has just attacked France, and fighting has broken out all over Europe.
6: Call Dan Rather. <laughs> <laughs>
12: oh,
7: this is dreadful. Oh. Oh. Hello. Mr. President, the Navy is missing.
6: Well, don't call me. Send the Army out to look for it.
12: (laughs) Oh, I can't believe it.
2: Yes. Sorry to bother you, Mr. President, but one of your old movies is on the late show. Everybody up!
7: Albums come and albums go, and comedy albums die a very quiet death on the record racks every day, particularly albums that satirize contemporary politics or contemporary issues. So what is successful? We ask Earl Down.
8: Okay, uh, I think first of all that people buy record albums about uh, pol- politicians who they like. It's very difficult to sell an album about an unpopular politician or one who's just sort of middle of the road in popularity. I felt that Reagan had the same charisma almost as the Kennedys. It was that magic aura about him and a lot of people like him and he looks great. You know, he's a former movie star, there's a lot of glamour there. You know. And that's why I felt it's right to do this. And and and, and also and there hasn't been anything in two or three years like it. So it seemed like good timing to me. But also, I do know you can't fool the public. You've got to give them funny material. If the album was uh, not funny, it wouldn't sell. I don't care who it was about. In Welcome to the LBJ Rancher, we took the actual voices of politicians and and put new questions to their old answers. Right. Kind of a sneaky premise. <laughs> but it worked well. Uh, I did do other albums, though, where I had the families of the presidents, more or less. Honest to God, we really mean it very last Nixon album, <laughs> uh, which I did on Brunswick, had the Nixon, uh, some of his family. Uh, Henry the First was about Kissinger.
12: Okay. Uh-huh. It was
8: about his family. A Spiro T. Agnew is a riot. <laughs> with Stanley Myron Handelman. Now, that, of course, was about uh, Spiro T. Agnew, if you will. I've done uh, about uh, 12 albums, all told.
12: Uh-huh.
8: Uh Not all of them. uh, Well, practically all of them are are of a political nature. I think you have to be funny. I think you have to be timely. I think you have to be tasteful. And you have to be about somebody that they care about. Nobody's going to spend eight or nine bucks to buy an album about somebody who they don't like. You would think maybe because you're mean to them or nasty to them and they're unpopular that everybody would buy it. But I didn't find that to be the case. Not with the
11: Nixon album, for instance, huh?
8: The Nixon album didn't do
7: well at all. (laughs) Writing material for a satirical album is one thing, but finding someone who could do a credible imitation of a public figure is something else again. Sometimes people just can't focus in on anything they can work with in imitating someone. Very few people imitated Jimmy Carter. Fewer still did Gerald Ford or Dwight Eisenhower. And some people thought that Rich Little would have the same problem with Ronald Reagan.
11: I understand a lot of your close friends didn't even think anyone could do a good impersonation of him because they thought there wasn't enough material.
10: Uh... Well, uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, What happened with the Reagan impression uh, was that it was very thin at the beginning. And Earl Dowd kept saying to me, do you do Reagan? And I said, well, I do him. You know, I'm still working on it. He said, well, we should do an album. And I said, well, I'd like to do an album. Let's learn a little more about him and let me work on the impression, you know. Because I think you need to uh, let a little time go by when you first get in office so that we know... Uh, about the person you know we we see the problems they're getting into we see how they move and the little expressions and stuff and then you have things to do satire on so when a year was up uh, I was fairly happy with the impression and Earl said that he was ready to do the album and he'd hired like 15 writers which I never understood why but uh, <laughs> and then this cast another thing he did was he hired a huge cast and I said to him well Earl I don't know whether we need a big cast you know He said, well, I want to have a lot of stars in this album. I said, fine, but what are they going to do, you know? And that was a little bit embarrassing because we didn't need as many impersonators to do the album because uh, there were a lot of things uh, that uh, we didn't need them for. Mm -hmm. And uh, it became a little embarrassing in that we had some well-known people who were just sort of standing, waiting to do a line, like Von Meter, you know? and roger and roger who are excellent at what they do right um uh, i felt sort of bad for them and said to them hey listen you guys do nixon and do jimmy carter and they used to say but those are yours and i said hey they don't belong to me you know so it was almost like uh uh we gotta we gotta give some of these people something to do so uh, i i mean i ended up certainly doing an awful lot on the album, but. Uh, uh, you know, when people would ask me why I didn't do Nixon on the album, that that is primarily the reason, is that, uh, is that Roger and Roger did them fairly well and um, give them a chance, you know.
11: Didn't want to step on... I don't
10: own Nixon anyway. <laughs> and and it worked out very well, because, uh, you know, they, they do kind of a caricature on Nixon and, and Jimmy Carter, and it was quite funny. It isn't the way I would have done it, but, uh-huh. you know, this little phrase, half-fold uh, is, uh, is uh, kind of kind of cute and kind of caught on and if you remember the album in the, in the poker game when he says I fold right? Says, Jimmy well Charlton Heston came up to me at the uh, AFI salute to Frank Capra and said I love your album I mean I play it all the time I said really <laughs> he said oh it's funny said, and then Charlton Heston said I fold and I <laughs> I nearly folded when he said that. That's funny to hear Charlton Heston do Jimmy Carter. i fold. But, you know, it shows the impact that that album has. Uh, a lot of people that you wouldn't think that would be in, into a comedy album of that kind were, were buying it and playing it and playing it for their friends. And and the, the exciting thing was to go around the country and go in the record stores uh, and, and see people buying five and ten copies a piece. you know. Boy. Yeah, that was great they buy you know I'd write down to Uncle Charlie to Aunt Minnie and uh, I found out that they were buying them for friends you know or, or birthdays or whatever and, uh, uh-huh. and that was great and that's, that's really probably why the record took off I think the record took off for two reasons that it first of all it wasn't a blue album and it wasn't an offensive album and the second and, and the second reason which probably ties in for the, from the first is that because it wasn't a blue album you could play it on the air and the DJs just took it and and played the heck out of it because they they knew there wasn't anything on it that was was blue or offensive. And uh, I had more disc jockeys saying to me, uh, gee, I'm glad you did an album like this, you know, because so many albums we get at the station, they're marked, do not play. Take home and play, but don't play on the air. Right. And you know, being in radio, that if you have an album that says, play the first cut, one half of the second cut, don't play the third and fourth, You'll eventually just say I can't be bothered.
6: Well, it's good old Jerry Ford. Come on in, Jerry. We've been waiting for you. Uh, Dick and Jimmy are already here.
2: Uh, Sorry I'm late, Ronnie. I I couldn't find the house.
6: (laughs) Well... This is the White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Oh, I went to 1500. <laughs> well, that's all right. Oh, listen, watch out for the. China.
2: A uh, high deck. Uh, Hi, Jimmy. Uh, Hi, Jerry. How are y'all, you old dingbat? Sit down, Jerry. Let's get this show on the road.
6: Well, all right. Now, the name of the game is Draw Poker. I fold. (laughs) I didn't deal the cards yet, Jimmy.
2: I fold anyway. (laughs) Nothing ever goes right for me. If there's one thing I can't stand, it's a crybaby. Oh, all right. I'll take a chance.
6: Now let's ante up. Here we go.
2: Oh, uh, uh, wait a minute. Uh, the pot's a nickel short. <laughs> well, 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 what's everyone looking at me for?
12: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah.
2: oh, for goodness sakes. I must have got stuck in my coin changer. <laughs>
12: Steal
2: them out. I feel really lucky
6: All right Who wants to start it off?
2: Well, I open for a dime But I know I'm gonna lose I'm in
6: Well, it's up to you, Jerry Give me all your eights (laughs) No, Jerry We're not playing fish
2: Explain anything to them. Throw in your dime, Jerry. All right, boys. I'll
6: see that dime and raise you a quarter just to keep you honest. It's too late for Dick. (laughs) Fellas, please. We're here to play cards. I just raised you a quarter.
2: Okay. I'll see you. I'm in, too.
6: Well, what do you say, Jerry?
2: Uh, I knock with five. Jerry, we're not playing gin. We're playing poker, you imbecile.
6: Dick, please, you're speaking to a former president of the United States. You're
2: right. Pardon me, Jerry.
6: I already did. Listen, are you guys going to play cards or not? Well, it's not fair.
2: Why do I only have five cards when Dick has ten? What ten? What are you talking about? Uh, five in your hand and five up your sleeve. I see him. I see him. Now, just a minute. I want to make one thing perfectly clear I am not a crook.
12: <laughs> Ron-
2: Ronnie! J- Jerry! J- Jimmy! Jerry! Fellas, come back, come back! I want to play. I've got five aces. Won't anybody play with me? <laughs> Pardon me, lady. Oh, little boy. Baby, Be- are you the here, Fido? Come here, boy. Come on.
7: <laughs> Earl Dowd wrote and produced the album The First Family Rides Again. That means he not only wrote most of the material, but he also directed it, and he chose the talent.
8: All right, I- Chose Rich Little because, in my in, in my opinion, he is the most brilliant impressionist on the scene today, and perhaps of all time. When you hear him do George Burns and Johnny Carson on the album, it's phenomenal. And I think his Reagan is excellent. And I didn't put Rich. I didn't pick Rich because I thought we'd sell a lot more albums with a known person. Von uh, Meter certainly with an unknown. I picked Rich because. I felt he was the best Reagan voice around and could do the job better than anyone else.
6: Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before...
2: Hey, Reagan!
6: Who's that? Who were you just talking to? God. Well, that's who I am. (laughs) Oh, God. Now it's been done already. Big hit. What do you want, God? I just wanted to let you know that I intend to see to it that your economic plans blow up in your face, that you won't be reelected and your daughter Marine won't make it to the Senate. But But why God? Nobody cuts off my social security.
7: Coming up next, Rich little explains what makes Ronald Reagan sound like Ronald Reagan. Presidential humor is our topic today on
3: The Off-Ramp. This is Bob Smith, and for this episode, we've gone back to my vaults for a 1982 interview I did with comedian Rich Little and comedy writer Earl Dowd.
2: Harry Hogan of Long Island Sound. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President, we've noticed you always look down at your feet when you speak. Now, why is that?
6: Well you'd look down, too, if you owned a horse ranch. (laughs) (laughs) Not only was the
7: humor spontaneous for the studio audience at the recording session for the first Family Rides Again, it was spontaneous for the performers, too, even for Rich Little. Now,
11: you did that before a live audience, and uh, I read one place where you didn't get your script until an hour before the
12: show.
10: Well, not an hour. Every time I talk to somebody, it becomes less, but it wasn't an hour, but it was like, to be realistic, it was probably i say, I think, six hours before. Uh There was enough time to actually go through everything and make changes and take out, put in new stuff and make it in time for the taping. But there were moments even during the taping of the album in front of a live audience where I was still uh, leafing ahead and changing things. And it's not the best way to do a record because you should have the material a couple of weeks ahead or a month ahead so that you can discuss it Change things and feel comfortable, but uh, Earl is not the greatest organizer in the world. He's a wonderful man and he's 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 great at putting out albums, and he's a good writer. But un- unfortunately, Earl, you know, just didn't get organized. And here we were, the 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 audience arriving in a few hours, and we didn't even have scripts because they weren't even printed yet.
12: Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs>
11: <laughs> the uh, Reagan impersonation, what makes Reagan, Reagan as far as a voice is concerned? I've read where you have to get the mannerisms down to really feel that you do a person, but on the record, of course, all it is is the voice. Is it the breathy quality, primarily?
10: Uh, well, it's uh, a combination of things. Uh, it's that hesitation and uh, uh, the humming and hawing that he does. It, what does he call it? He calls it uh, flip-flopping or uh, waffling no no I don't waffle I I pancake more than waffle (laughs) but uh, and the little sayings of course at the beginning help like uh, well the word whale and there he goes again and uh, it's kind of a soft uh, breathy kind of a voice Uh, it's becoming better really all the time as I say because uh, when, when pressures come along and you have to speak so much and you're under so much fire you uh, you're, you exaggerate, and, you, and your real mannerisms and idiosyncrasies come through more, you know. So I think he's he, he's getting a, to be a better subject as every day goes by. All right, why don't you ask Ronald Reagan a trivia question?
11: Okay. Uh, Mr. President, could you tell me, what was the movie you made with Barbara Stanwyck? Uh,
10: well, um, that's a tough question. Uh, Other than Bonzo, I don't remember any picture. Wait a minute. (laughs) Barbara Stanwyck. Right. Uh, Oh, I do remember. It was a western. And one of my best. It was called Cattle Queen of Montana, where I played both parts. (laughs) Of course, the part I'm playing right now as President of the United States is my most difficult role. And uh, uh, it's a good script, but... I don't think it's going to have a good ending.
6: All right, please have a seat. Now, I've called you to Washington because I personally believe you can solve the Mediterranean fruit fly problem. Jerry Brown did not have the success with it that he had hoped in California. And now those med flies are spreading to other states. Now, this is serious and top secret. Do you think you can rid us of these pesty fruit flies? Kermit?
2: Oh uh, yes, Mr. President. Now, but it'll take a while, though. There's just so many of those little buggers I can eat.
12: But I'll be a picky for you.
7: Next, what's it like behind the scenes to be in the audience at one of those first family recording sessions? We'll hear from Earl Dowd and Rich Little.
6: Well, it's another day. Another day, Nancy. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> the First Family Rides Again with Rich Little.
7: Producer Earl Dowd recorded it before a live audience.
11: When you do an album like that, is it sort of like the old days of radio where the performers stand up with script in hand and the audience there has to use their imagination?
8: Exactly. Yeah, and we stand right at the mic just like a radio show and read, uh, read the script. We do one piece at a time and then pause for like a minute between
7: Coming up, we'll talk and with you know, Earl right, Dowd you know, about the you know. making of the album, and we'll also learn how Rich Little began his career imitating his school teachers.
10: Yeah, well, before the teacher arrived in the morning uh, for class, you see, I'd get up and and do what they were going to do when they got there, and of course the kids would fall about, you know. And then, of course, we'd have a look out at the door, and then the real teacher would come along, and he would do exactly what I just did a few minutes ago, and kids would laugh some more. and. Uh, Four teachers could never figure out why walking in the door and and talking and saying good morning got such laughs.
7: It's all coming up.
5: Excuse me, Mr. President. There's a Dr. Blystiff outside, and he has an appointment.
0: Uh, Please sit down, doctor. Uh, Thank you. Uh, As you know, the uh, CIA does require a psychiatric profile on all government employees. Well, I've never seen a psychiatrist before. Do I have to get undressed? Uh, No, no, that is not necessary, Mr. President. Now, first, I'd like you to try and recall any terribly traumatic incidents in your childhood which have hideously scarred your life.
6: Well, I remember one day when I was ten years old... I was walking down Main Street with my dog, Spot. And on the way, I waved to Tony, the barber. And I said hello to Sam, the tailor, and Schultz, the butcher. What a great guy Schultz was. I mean, I like Sam and Tony, too, but I think I like Schultz better. You know, Spot likes Schultz, too. It's possible that Spot liked Tony better than Schultz... Because Tony was always
0: telling Schultz to give meat to Spock. Excuse me, that's not exactly what I want. Now, Mr. President, do you have recurring dreams which upset you? Recurring dreams? Yes.
6: You mean like I'm walking down a busy street without any clothes on. Mm. A gigantic naked woman with long red matted hair comes crawling out of a dusty spider's web carrying long kosher salamis. (laughs) Is that what you mean, Doctor?
0: Yes. Yes. Now, uh, what about those dreams? I never have them. Uh, Mr. President, you must be hiding something deep within your subconscious. Now, let's try and get at it by means of word association, shall we? I will say a word, and you will say whatever comes to mind. All right, fine, Uh, fine. This won't take long. Now then, Summer... Summer. These are tough, I'm
6: thinking. Winter. Day. Night. Black. Welfare. Up. Oh. Down. Hot. Cold. Death. Bedtime for Bonzo. What? Well, when I made that picture, it killed my career.
0: Well,. That's about all the time we have right now, and I want to thank you, Doctor. No, 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 Mr. President, please, just ten more minutes. I, I need ten more minutes to probe the inner workings of your mind, please. Well, I'm sorry, but I simply can't afford the time. No, 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 you don't know what this means to me, Mr. President. I must have just ten more minutes of your time. I must, I must.
6: Well, all right, one more word association game. Good, yes, thank you, Mr. President. But listen, for variation, let me start this time. Oh.
0: Yeah, it's good.
6: (laughs) Table. Uh,
0: uh, Chair. Very good. Sit. uh, uh, Stand. Hello. Uh, uh, Goodbye.
7: (laughs) 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 Goodbye. What's it like behind the scenes at a recording session for something like The First Family Rides Again? We asked producer Earl Dowd that question.
11: When you do an album like that, is it sort of like the old days of radio where the performers stand up with script in hand and the exactly. audience and the audience there has to use their imagination? Exactly.
8: Yeah, and we stand right at the mic, just like a radio show, and read, uh, read the script. We do one piece at a time and then pause for like a minute between. And nobody, in the middle of nobody's script fell out. <laughs> I remember going to a uh, United States Steel Hour radio show and an actor was up there and he pulled the staples out of his script fell out and went on the floor, all over the place, right in the (laughs) (laughs) middle, during the broadcast. What a nightmare.
11: How many nights, or how many sessions, did it take to do this one? Was it one? One
8: session. 300 people in our audience, and there are no changed laughs. What you hear on that record, there's no canned laughter. That's exactly the way it was. And uh, I brought 50 kids from Palos Palos Verdes in to usher.
12: And they're all on the back of the cover, as you can see, posing with the
8: different stars. Uh I'm trying to make them all famous. (laughs) And uh, we we had a buffet dinner afterwards. Not cold cuts, Bob. We had salmon. Good
12: things.
8: (laughs) And we ran that uh, right through from top to bottom. And we made maybe two little changes. We had some people who were supposed to be on the album who didn't get on. And who were they? Uh, John Ritter uh, was sent by ABC to... Canada at the last minute to do a promotion. He was supposed to be with us, mm-hmm. and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, but we well, had nothing for her to do.
11: That's Tony Curtis's daughter, isn't it? Yes, it is
8: Tony Curtis's daughter, uh-huh. right, Janet yeah. And uh, Brooke Shields.
11: Brooke Shields? What was Brooke Shields going to do?
8: It just looked
11: great. <laughs> but that doesn't show on the album.
8: Oh, well, I don't care about
11: that. <laughs> <laughs> How, who are the people you invite to a recording session like this, Earl?
8: You invite your friends and uh, uh, people in the business and some lawyers and a nice cross-section of people and so maybe a few stars, if you know any, just to sit in the
11: audience. Some lawyers, you say? Pardon? Some lawyers?
8: Well, I'm sure, You we have to have lawyers to make a record deal.
11: <laughs> so you invite them to come along. Okay, might as well let them know what they're getting into. Is there a lot of material that's performed before that live audience that just doesn't work that might get thrown out?
8: Well, not a lot. Uh, sometimes, uh, we did one piece that didn't make the uh, record album. Uh, would you like to hear it? Sure. Okay. It's a it's a, a hairdresser, two hairdressers in Beverly Hills, and one is saying he's very nervous. So he's never done uh, President Reagan's hair before. What does he do? And the other one says, Well, you it a little bit, then you comb it in an up then you pop it door here, and you do this and that part. And he says, Oh my gosh! And then what do I do? And he says, Then you put it in the box and ship it back to Washington. <laughs> Thought that's a little cruel and <laughs> not true, so we didn't do it. Uh-huh. And we had another piece where they were uh, Nancy was preparing the president to go out, and they put in his heart and his shoulders and rebuilt him every day. And uh, we thought we didn't like that when it was finished. But at the beginning of that, he sang the Mr. Rogers thing, it's a lovely day, you know, that thing. <laughs> and at the end of that, He said, I don't forget who you are. And he said, no, I won't. That's why I always carry my... American Express. American Express card. And so we took the beginning and the end and put them together and threw all
7: the middle out. Unlike the Vaughn Meter albums, the first Family Rides Again album does not include any sketches concerning Ronald Reagan's children. Because we just didn't think of anything
8: with the kids that we could use. There's one exception to that. We had a little that we wanted to do, and Rich and I talked about it just before we recorded, and we thought maybe it's not funny, but every time I tell it to somebody, they laugh, so I'm going to take a chance with you. Okay. Now, it, it, it's President Reagan talking to his son, Ron, who Michael Richards on the cover is Ron in the ballet suit with the tutu. hmm You see
12: that? Right.
8: And you know Ron is a practicing ballet. That's correct. Okay, so the president's talking to his son about how great it is for father and son to do things together which it is. And we get the feeling they're going to go to a baseball game or they're going to go fishing, but they're actually practicing ballet. And at the end the a winded president says turns to his son and says, "Next time you be the hunter, I'll be the swan." <laughs> and everyone likes that and says, "Why didn't you record it?" And you well, just... there it goes. <laughs> our <laughs> uh, one shot at the kids
11: <laughs> but you did put them on the cover because of the physical association with and ballet dancer and stuff. Absolutely. So forth. Uh-huh. we
8: shot the cover of course before we, we recorded the album
11: the cover takes more time than the pressing of a record you know? is that so right it takes about three to four weeks to get the color and the cover done and just records they can press overnight there. now earl you're the only person who was on the cover of the original album and uh, that's the one with Bon Meter, and uh, the cover of this one. And you're holding skis over in the left hand corner, bearded as you were 20 odd years ago. Well, you see, that started uh, with uh, Jackie Kennedy liking to
8: water ski. Uh, so everybody said, Why are you wearing, why are you holding those skis? And I said, Well, Jackie Kennedy likes to water ski. And they all said,
7: Well, we didn't know that. When we asked Earl Dowd to name one of his favorite routines from the First Family Rides Again album with Rich Little, he cited the one where the president meets. Mr. Bill, the character from Saturday Night Live television.
8: <laughs> I like uh, Mr. Bill because uh, I think the kids are really big we'll on that. And uh, I'm a fan of Mr. Bill's anyway. And I just, uh, we went up to Arrowhead this year. Uh, I took 10 kids up there, some of whom are on that back of the album cover, like David Powell. They had this cassette player, and we kept looking at this movie of Mr. Bill, and I thought, see, if it's a president... That Mr. Bill. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? <laughs> and that's what's so great about this, because you can take the President of the United States and put him in situations that wouldn't be funny if you and I were doing them. Uh, he eats, uh, he goes to bed, he does things we do, but suddenly what the president doing is hysterical. That's why it's kind of easy sometimes to write these things.
1: Excuse me, Mr. President. There's someone very important here to see you.
8: Uh,
6: Brezhnev, mm-hmm. Bacon, uh, Prince Charles.
1: No, sir. It's Mr. Bill. Mr. Who? (laughs) Mr. Bill, sir. You know, the little man who always gets stepped on and smashed on Saturday Night Live?
6: Send him in.
12: Oh, Mr. President, I just wanted to tell you that I think you're doing a great job, and I really like your movies a lot. Yay!
6: Uh, Which movies do you like the best?
12: Oh, boy, I, I like those westerns where you do all those dangerous stunts. Yay!
6: Well, Mr. Bill, I had highly trained stuntmen to do those. But tell me, I mean, who does your stunts?
12: Well, uh, gee, I have to do all my own stunts. In fact, that's why I wanted to get into something a little safer, like like politics. Uh, Could you give me some pointers about how you broke in?
6: Well, I'd be glad to, Mr. Bill. Listen, why don't we discuss this out in the Rose Garden? Hop up here on the windowsill, and I'll show it to you. Sure, Mr. Bill. Oh,
12: but be careful there! Watch out!
6: Uh... Well, there's the rose garden down there, no. and I—I I
12: would. No, 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 no! Oh, oh the oh, oh. Hey, hey! Say, what's that big plane coming, huh?
6: Oh, that Secretary of State Sluggo and his new B-1 bomber. Ah! The poor little fella should have stuck to show business.
7: Coming up next, Rich Little tells us how you can spot a future impressionist on your local school grounds. And you'll hear that in part two of The First Family Rides
3: Again, Presidential Humor, next time on The Off-Ramp. This is Bob Smith. Thanks for listening. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with the Cedarburg Public Library, Cedarburg, Wisconsin. This is Bob Smith. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.